topic today is joy and happiness. And how, it's like if you had to explain to somebody who didn't know, no, know anything, know nothing, didn't know anything, that was the real me speaking, how would you explain a word like love to them? I put joy and happiness kind of in there with that. Very, very difficult, difficult to explain, but we know it when we're going through it. And so I thought today, just to let you kind of know what I, what I went through, you ever, everybody sees me, my glasses are always clipped right here, because they're there for easy access, because I see perfectly right now, but if I look down, blur. It's like I'm looking at the Mojave Desert, so. Huh, I've opened up a whole new world. On your phone, if you do what I do now, and just put in the word joy, definition, here's what you get. A feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Tears of joy. Okay. It's happiness. Great happiness. All right. Then if you go back and you type in happiness, H-A-P-P, here we go. It does it for me. Happiness, the state of being happy. Boy, that just gets right to it, doesn't it? And I feel so full of knowledge right now. <laughs> tell you anything, right? But I went through, and I did not use my phone for this. I have a handy-dandy book that I kept from years ago, and it, it's a topical Bible, and I went through there, and I found biblical def definitions of the word joy. And you will find a great difference in those. But I find them very interesting, and I found a couple that I liked. And this one comes from Desiring God Ministries. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul. Here's where, this is where I really agree. Produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. And then I got one from C.S. Lewis. And it says the same thing, but it's a little simpler. Joy is the enjoyment of God and the good things that come from the hand of God. So the question is, can somebody who is not a believer have a deep, true understanding of what joy is? Well, I got to thinking about that. Maybe not until you've experienced it. And that's where I'm kind of going to go today. Um, I looked up all the verses. This is what you should do when you have a question like that, and it's in your mind. I looked up all the verses in the Bible that have the word joy in them. There's 26 in the Old and New Testament. And I found something. There's, there's some you've got like, um, you've got some that you wouldn't think have a tie to God, but if you look at the context, they do. Like long hair is a joy to the woman, right? Joy to the Lord. Things like that. In those, the word joy is always tied to God like this. Hmm. So could it be, that the experience of true joy comes from God. Uh, C.S. Lewis thought so. And a lot of other people that talk about biblical joy seem to think so too, and so do I. Um, and that kind of leads me to this. I'm going to tell you a story today that I told before here, and I told it, I was trying to nail down, I kept asking Jeanette, you know, when... Was it uh, 2007 when we got in this building? Around there? Before that? Right around there? Pretty close to around there? And uh, the second year we were here, I told this very same story. So some of you are going, oh, I heard this. <laughs> I've told it to the youth group once in another ministry. And I told it to the youth group here. But I haven't told the story for, for a long time. And I s promised myself that you know, I've had, I have lots of stories beyond this. I don't, I don't need to tell this story anymore. But I'm going to tell it today, and here's why I'm going to tell it. As I get older, I get more emotional, so if I have to breathe a minute. <laughs> uh, we've, had, we've had losses this year, right? And um, some people can just, well, you know, that's part, of the that's part of life. You're here for a while, and you just go, and people forget you, and you know, they don't talk about you, and they don't remember you. I can't do that. And so uh, I remember 
my last few good conversations with Zella Hudson when she was Zella Hudson, with the, you know, if you know what I mean. And uh, she's one of the nicest, kindest people I've ever met. She always was terribly concerned about her family. And she said this to me. She said, Craig, she goes, remember that story you told about the little boy you coached in basketball? You need to tell that story again. Because that really encouraged me, and I think it would be an encouragement to other people. And so you know what I did? Never did. <laughs> Never did, because it just didn't seem to fit with, you know, the Lord wasn't really, I wasn't, didn't feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to tell it. It just didn't. It didn't, didn't seem like it fit. But for some reason, I cannot get her out of my head. <laughs> and I could not get that conversation out of my head as I tried to fight not telling this story and not teaching this lesson about joy and happiness because it looked like it was going to be in the funnel. Shane started talking about it. Last week, Craig tied it into service at the end of his lesson. And I'm like, well, that's it. This is what I'm to do. So I'm going to do it. Um, so she, she loved this story. I, I miss Zella. I miss, I miss seeing Jan Palmer to this day. I can imagine her sitting back there with Jerry with a big smile on her face. I used to tell her, and I really meant it, when you come here, it just lights up the place. Because it was a struggle for her to get here. You know, and I appreciated that. And that would inspire me to come. You know? And I know uh, it was like that with a lot of you, too. Charlie Barr, who used to sit there. Gosh, I miss Charlie. I can't tell you. That dude, that, I, got, I, got, I got a lot of my wisdom from Charlie. You know, you thought he was this giggly little guy. Oh, no, I'm telling you. Uh, he had a lot between the ears, and I miss him. And I remember Jeanette and I, went, one night we went over to Charlie's house, and, man, he couldn't get around, and he couldn't take care of himself. I said, we need to call the families. You know, it just gets to that point where you just can't. You just can't. He couldn't do it anymore. But uh, right up until the end, he was the same, same old Charlie. Well, I'm, I, miss, I still miss all those people. They meant a lot to me, all of them. And so uh, as I tell this star story in honor of Zella Hudson, I hope it's going to be an encouragement to you as it was to her. Here it goes. Once upon a time, which is how every good story goes, <laughs> I coached uh, a rec league basketball team. And I'm not saying, but I'm just saying, my teams didn't lose, right? We had a couple, two or three years, we didn't lose a game. They had different kids, right? So what's the key to that? Had good kids that were skilled, <laughs> right? In a rec league, you know, you don't have to do much coaching with those kids, right? They know, right? So one year I'm in there, and my son David was on my team, I was one of the the, the great pleasures of my life, and one thing I thank the Lord for, I, I don't need much, but I would like to be able to coach my kids. And that was like the greatest time of my life. I loved it, right? Well, my son David, I'm coaching him, and on our first practice, I'll never forget it, I'm looking and I'm like, oh boy, this is great. All of our kids are skilled. They all have skills. There's things they can do. I don't have to do a lot of teaching. A lot of these kids are fundamentally sound. I can do different things as a coach. I can be a little creative. I can, you know, this will be fun for me. So I'm like, ooh, this is going to be great, right? Second practice, same thing. And then I saw the director come, and I'm like, here it comes. <laughs> I can feel it. Here it comes. Craig, can I have a word with you? Yeah. He goes, well, I got a favor. Here it comes. I knew it. I got this kid, and he really wants to be on a team. He's just got some extenuating circumstances, and you have an opening. And, uh, well, I just wanted to ask you if you take on another kid. Now, I'm not going to force you, but here's the situation. This was a, a, a team of fifth graders. He's a third grader. Let me paint a picture for you. Fifth grader, fifth grader, third grader, fifth grader. 
He little. He real little. And I said, well, you know, once I've, I had, I've had younger kids on my teams before, and, you know, the kids that were skilled, they can compete. Um, can he play? Well, <laughs> code for no. Can he, can he dribble? Well, no. Can he shoot it? No. <laughs> you think he could guard anybody? Well, I'm like, man. I say, you're like, he goes, well, just hear me out. He goes, he's got emotional troubles. He's got, he's got some deep issues, and they don't know what to do with him, and he loves basketball, and his mom thinks if he gets on a team, then uh, that would help. You don't have to play him like the other kids, right? But she just wants him on a team and all this. Well, he knows darn good and well I'm not going to leave him sitting on the bench. He's going to play. I don't care if he doesn't have any talent. That's just the way I do it. And I said, well, he goes, you're... <laughs> You're good with those kind of kids because he saw us with come in with foster kids all the time in those days. So he knew we were what we were about. What am I going to say? No. No, I'm not going to help a kid. <laughs> he knows darn good well I wasn't going to say no. All right, I'll do it. Good. Oh, yeah, by the way, he hates men. Now, wait a minute. You're giving me a third grader who can't play, who hates men. He goes, yeah, and he starts laughing. I said, it wouldn't be you're trying to even the field a little bit. He's like, <laughs> gee, thanks. Where is he? He's over there. So you were so confident that I'd say yes. You told his mom to bring him here. What if I'd have said no? Well, <laughs> yeah, he knew I wasn't going to say no. There he is. I, I said, well, I guess I'll go over and meet, and meet him. He's like, well, yeah. <laughs> so I did. Uh, here's how it went. He's over standing by the ball rack, and I walked over to him. I said, Charlie, my name's Craig. I'm going to be your coach this year. And Charlie went, ooh, he's real mad. He's real mad. Here's why he was mad. He went home one day from school, and his dad was always there from work. His mom worked later hours. Nobody home. He had to call. Mom, there's nobody here. Come get me. She gets there. Something's wrong. He wasn't there the next day, and he wasn't there the next day, and he never came back. So dad walked out on the family, didn't leave him a note, didn't do anything, never said goodbye, nothing. And at that moment, his life changed. And he decided in his little third grade mind that I hate every man that's going to come near me. And he did. He hated my guts. Every time I tried to talk to him, it was like he was going to, if he had a knife, he'd have plunged it into my chest. That's how I felt. It was that bad. Matter of fact, I was at the game last night. I'll explain this shirt. I was at the game yesterday, and I, with my son David, who was on that team, and I was kind of asking about that. I said, what do you remember about that kid? He goes, man, he was mad. <laughs> he, goes, Ooh, he goes, we had foster kids, and they were all mad. He goes, but nothing like that. Man, he was mad. I'm like, yeah, he was. I said, well, good. I don't want to misremember things, right? So he was terribly mad. So what do you do with a kid who hates me, he won't listen to me, and he can't play? <laughs> i got to play him. What do I do? Well, I took him aside at the practice, and I told my assistant guy, I said, hey, do these drills with the guys. I said, i got to work out Charlie a minute. Charlie, I said, I want you to grab a ball, and I said, I want you to dribble from that line to that line with your right hand. I want you to dribble back with your left hand. You got it? And he couldn't dribble the ball more than twice before he picked it up. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's real bad. Left-handed, yeah, forget it. I had to stop him before he got back. Sun's going down, right? Well, try to pass me the ball. 
said, here's how you do it. Told him the fundamental way to pass a ball. I ain't going to bore you with all that stuff because you don't want to play basketball. But I taught him how to play, taught him how to pass. Well, it's hard to pass to somebody if you won't look him in the eye, right? Every pass he threw, because he's small, the ball looked like a beach ball to him because not only is he third grade, he's a little third grader, right? Every pass had a loop in it. When a pass has a loop in it, you know what I call that? Two points for the other team because it's going to get stolen and away they go. <sighs> well, let's find out your shooting range. Took him out about 10 feet. I said, go ahead. I said, we're going to give you 10 shots. I stopped him at shot number four because we weren't getting within 15. I mean, it was like he couldn't get anywhere near the basket. Come in. That's not your range. So he came in. He, I said, let's, let's shoot from five feet out. He'd hit the rim about every third time from five feet out. That's how little he was. Well, let's pull you in here from like one foot out. <laughs> let's get you under the basket. He could get it there once in a while. Well, that's your range. How am I going to get a kid who's in third grade and can't play a shot in a game? Well, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But I'm going to play him because I'm just, I'm not going to just watch a kid sit on a bench. I'm just not. And so <laughs> the first game, I tried to like work him in. They gave me, it did give me a little leeway, which praise God, thank you for that, because I could get him in whenever I wanted to, right? And try to, how could I, and I figured out that um, we couldn't win doing that because we lost the game. It was our only loss of the year. It was our first game. It's because I'm monkeying around trying to throw Charlie in there. Every time I did, whoever was with him looked awful. So I thought, well, I'll put my four best players in a team of good players. I'll put my four best players with Charlie, and we're going to try to win four on five with that group for a quarter. And it worked. So I saddled my son David, was one of them, with Charlie. Now, I'm not going to demonstrate what it looked like when he was out there because he wouldn't listen to me. I couldn't get him to do anything. So we just kind of ran around out there. And he kind of, once in a while, he'd hoop or holler or something. I don't know. I don't know what he was doing. All I know is he wasn't getting in the way. So good. I'm good with it, right? But then I kept having these conversations in my own head. Am I doing him any service by, you know, am I, am I being too lax here? If you know me, yeah, I don't play that. Uh, you're going to learn something, you're going to get taught something, and then you're going to do it because that's the way it is to be on a team. But every time I would take that attitude, something would happen to me, no, not now. It's not the right thing to do now. And so I never did it. What can I do? I always had... I'd have a conversation with a parent. I never had a phone call from a parent in my life. And it's because of this. At the beginning of the year, set the team down with the parents watching, and I'd tell the kids, I said, here's what's going to happen. I said, some of you are good shooters. Some of you need to answer your phone. Oh, I'm just kidding. Some of, you are good, some of you are good shooters. Some of you are, are, are good defenders. Some of you are good dribblers. Whatever you can do, I'm going to find out what that is, and that's what you're going to do to help our team. Okay? And so parents... When little Johnny goes up for a shot and he makes it, you may not hear me say, way to go, little Johnny. You may hear me say, hey, nice screen, Chester. Just making me. Right? That's just the way I do. Because every kid has a job to do, and when we're together, it makes a team. Where do I get that? Right? So that's the way we did it. But then there's him. <laughs> what do I do with him? All he could do was inbound the ball. Well, guess what? That's your job. He will inbound the ball. And I told everybody, don't you touch that ball because that's Charlie's job. You will inbound the ball unless they press us. Then he will not inbound the ball, <laughs> right? <laughs> Somebody else will recognize that and they will inbound the ball. Everybody got that? Charlie, that's your job to inbound the ball. Okay. Well, he did it. He did it the whole, the whole year, right? 
and we won. One going away. Never had a problem. Our four were better than everybody else's five, right? Praise God. But I'm thinking, if I was Charlie, would I be having any fun? How do you know? He never smiles. He never talks. Never heard him say a word, ever. Every time I looked like I want to look at him or he was going to breathe my air, I just imagined a knife plunging into my chest, right? So I cornered his mom one day, and I said, can I talk to you for a minute? She goes, sure you can. I said, well, is Charlie having fun? I said, because he doesn't look like he's having fun. And she goes, oh, you have no idea. All he talks about in the house is his team, how good his team is. And we won again, and we're the best. He watches basketball constantly. He's a big NBA fan, and he knows all the players, and he knows their stats, and he's got little books he gets out. He just loves basketball. I said, well, I said, I understand the circumstances and all. And she goes, well, yeah. She said, I said, is he getting, what kind of help is he getting for that? And she said, well, she goes, he's been to all kinds of counselors. He won't talk to any of them. He's been to psychologists, and he will not speak. And she goes, we don't know what to do. I'm like, well, I don't either. I don't either, right? Except for this. Lord, what do I do with this boy? How do I help this boy? And you know what I got? You know what I was expecting? A list one through ten on a sheet of paper that somebody would hand me that says, do this. <laughs> That's what I wanted, right? Because it's out of my league. I never had a kid go mute because of anger. right? By the way, there's a spiritual aspect to this, but we won't go there today because it's a deeper conversation. But that's what I expected. That ain't what I got. God speaks to us in many ways. A lot of times I'll get a picture in my head and I'll know exactly what to do. That's the way God works with me. Most often he speaks to me right here through his word. You ever read the Bible and you look and you say, boom, that was for me. Because you can't get it out of your head. It just keeps coming, right? That ringing just keeps coming into your head. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, that's all right. But uh, that's how God speaks to us, through his word, right? And, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, <laughs> I got nothing, Right? Except this kept coming to me all to every scripture I read. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. I can't love this boy. You won't let me. He won't let me. He won't let me in. He won't let me come near him. He's sure not going to let me touch him. Come here, Charlie. Get a hug. He would run before he let me touch. I mean, that's just the way he was, right? So what do I do? Right? Crickets. I know what I'll do. Nothing. Maybe God wants, just wants me to be his coach. Maybe he just needs some normalcy. I don't know. But it didn't feel... You have to earn the right to be heard, right? People just aren't... I'm not one... You know, not that it doesn't happen, but I'm not one of those that, you know, just walks up to a stranger and, have you heard the word of God today? A lot of times people just walk away from you and say, here, take my money, it's what you want anyway. Right? I'm not that. It's all about... Discipleship is relationships. Where do I get that? Well, if you come, you're going to find out <laughs> where I got that. It's 100% it's true. It's 100% right. But how do you have a relationship with a kid who hates you? I don't know. I didn't know, right? So we continue on. Went throughout the year, and I got to notice something. Charlie getting a little comfy out there. Because he's supposed to be inbound the ball, and he's not doing it. Other kids are doing it when he's supposed to be doing it. Do I do what I would do with a normal kid? Or, you know, I'm going back and forth in this because this is a special case. I don't want to break what spirit he has. But then I thought, the more I thought about it is, that boy's going to grow up someday, and he's going to have to realize that he's accountable just like everybody else. He's got a job to do. And he got to do it. He doesn't have a dad to show, show or explain these things. So he needs somebody to expect something out of him. 
even a minimal thing like that. And I'm not asking a lot, am I? Here. <laughs> That's your job. Here. Throw them a ball, a foot. Then you run around, do whatever you want. Just don't get in the way, right? Well, sure enough, one game like we came out and the kids were all, they were flat as a pancake. They just couldn't do anything right and they're, it was because of non-hustle. Some, you know, sometimes it does. I said, and finally, and I noticed Charlie was not taking the ball out like he's supposed to. And I'm like, is this the time right there? And I just felt this prodding. I call it a prodding. It's an irresistible urge to do what God wants you to do. And I just felt it. Do it. Do it now. <laughs> so I did it. Time out. Everybody run. Everybody ran to me. I said, look, guys. I said, we're flat as a pancake. I said, the things that we did to get us here, I said, we're a good team. I said, we don't look like it today. We're getting smoked. And I said, you know how many offensive rebounds we have? Zero. You know how many 50-50 balls? It's where two guys go to the ball at the same time. The toughest guy gets it. You know how many 50-50 balls we won today? Zero. I said, that's how we win. I said, we're not doing it. We're flat as a pancake. Here it comes. And Charlie, what are you doing? You're supposed to be taking the ball out. Instead, you're just running around there. Do your job. I said, we're on a team. We're all a part of a team, and everybody on the team has to do their job. You do yours. Everybody do their job. Bring it in on, on team on three. One, two, three, team. Let's come back, win the game, let's do it together, like we always do. We go out there, everybody walked out, except Charlie. Charlie's standing right there. And he is livid. I looked at his little face, and he is mad, very mad. It was almost like, how dare you talk to me? <laughs> I could read his little mind. He was seething. I'm like, come on, kid. Go over there and pick up that ball. You know, I'm not saying a word to him, but I don't have a, I don't have a plan B. <laughs> right? Do it. So finally, the referee goes over, grabs the ball and says, blows the whistle and says, let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, kid. Finally, he walks over, grabs the ball, inbounds the ball, and you know we never had a problem with that the rest of the year. He never talked to me. He still hated the air I breathed, but he did it. The rest of the year, we never had a problem with it. And wouldn't you know, my kids hustled their tails off. I'm just saying, my son David had a great half, and the things that I asked the team to do, David got on how many offensive rebounds, Everybody started pitching in, and we ended up winning the game by eight or ten points. It was great. So I make it a point not to praise my kids specifically in front of everybody. Because when you're the coach and you have a son on there, I just don't, I don't do that. It's not like I don't praise them. I just do it in private, right? And they know that. So we go after, after the game, and we get in, and I'm ready to just praise David up one side and down the other. And so we get in, and David gets in the, in the truck, and I said, uh, David, I said, that was awesome. I said, you played great. I said, you did a great job today. I said, everything that I asked you guys to do, you did. I said, I really appreciate your effort. And, well, don't you think you were a little hard on Charlie? And I said, oh, because that's what you say when you want somebody to continue. I said, oh? He goes, yeah, uh, Charlie's got troubles. And, and all he does is run around there, and he doesn't do anything. And you called a timeout and chewed him out for nothing. And I said, is that what you think? And he goes, well, yeah. And I said, okay, follow me on this. Charlie's a part of our team, right? Everybody on our team has a job. That's what I told you in the huddle, right? That means everybody's equal in my eyes. And I expect everybody. It's part of being a team. And I want Charlie to know that I see what he's doing out there, and I care about what he's doing about out there. And maybe a night when the events of the day are running through his head, I want him to think, you know, Coach cares what I do out there. And hopefully he'll whittle it down to Coach cares. That's what I'm hoping. And David said, well, that's all right, I guess, right? 
I needed to know something. I had something else in the back of my head. And I just got the info that I needed. Did you hear beyond the words? What did my son tell me without saying it? He cares about Charlie. And the kids realized that Charlie is suffering. That's the way he is. He's suffering. So when somebody's suffering and you react like that, well, it's going to do things to your head. And it did to them. Okay, we got that straightened out. We won the rest of our games. And I had been planning on doing something that I didn't know if they would accept or not. But after what I heard from David, I'm guessing they'll be cool with it. We won our games. We got to the last game. Now, you don't get a trophy for winning the league or anything like that, but the kids all know, right? So I get there, and some of I told our kids to come in early to explain this thing I wanted to do for the last game. And did you hear the news? The team that's ahead of us in the league lost today. That means if we win, we're like the champions of the league. Well, that muddies things. <laughs> right. Anyway, so I got them all together, and I said, well, I said, I heard you guys talk, and I said, so-and-so's team lost. Yeah. And it was a team that had beat us early. And I said, well, I said, uh, I need to talk to you about something. I said, because, I said, I don't know if you've realized this. I said, but everybody on our team has scored. And I said, isn't that the fun of basketball? When you score points, right? Everybody loves to score points. I said, Do I, am I right? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah. And you guys have all scored, except one person, Charlie. And I said, might be asking a lot. I said, we're a team. And I said, we're going to go down like a team. We're going to win like a team. We're going to lose like a team. I said, we're going to do this like a team. I said, I got an idea. I said, I want to try this game to get Charlie shots. But it might mean that we're going to lose this game. I said, if you want to talk it amongst, about it amongst yourselves, I said, you, you go ahead. I said, but everybody scored. And I said, Charlie hasn't scored. I said, I don't think that's right. Without batting an eye, one of our kids that usually played on our second team stands up and goes, we want to get Charlie shots, right, guys? And everybody said, yeah, and they're all smiling, right? Charlie, serious as a crutch, is standing over there like he always does with his head down. And he, he's standing there, and he puts his head up, and he looks at him in the face, and he says, but I want to win. First time I'd ever heard his voice. But I want to win, right? Well, now what do I do? <laughs> he went... He's ready to give up any personal thing for the team, and the team's ready to give up them, their personal thing, for Charlie. <sighs> Compromise, right? So I tell you what, this team, I said, we've beaten them pretty good the time before. I said, uh, which mistake right there, always respect your opponent. I wasn't. Stupid. Stupid. I was about to find that out. Stupid. Anyway, I said, if you guys can get me a 10-point lead, then we go to work and we start to get shots for Charlie. How about that? Everybody's like, all right. Charlie didn't say nothing. He looked very nervous, and he was mad, and he put his head down again. I'm like, well, how's this going to work? We're going to find out, because I'm doing it. Right? So... Uh, as you would know, the other team had improved a great deal. And we would get an eight-point lead, and it would go back to two. Six-point lead, eight-point lead, we got the ball, here it comes, ten-point lead, we hold them once, we get to... No, they were just trying too hard. They were trying to force things where it shouldn't be forced and everything, and they were just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. It got to the third quarter... And we, we had a decent lead, and it got up to eight points. And I'm like, I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like, no. If 
we got to do this right now, executive decision, be the adult, be the coach, we're doing this, time out. So I called time out and I said, guys, we're putting our plan into motion. We're going to get Charlie shots. I can't wait any longer. I said, you tried your hardest and I appreciate it, but now it's go time. And everybody's smiling, <laughs> right? <laughs> everybody's happy, right? I said, here's what we're going to do. So I am not a brilliant coach. I said, when we go down the floor, I said, I want everybody but Charlie to go down there. I don't know if he's going to do it. I don't know if he's listening. I don't know what, because he's standing there not looking at me like always. I said, Charlie, when everybody goes down there, don't go down there. Just stay at the free throw line on this end. Stay at the free throw line. Don't go down there. We're going to throw it to you. I said, when you get that ball, I said, make a beeline for the basket. They're going to be chasing you down. I said, and score. Got that? Oh, I don't even know if he's going to do it. All of our kids, I'm, th I'm, I'm in the league, and, I, and I'm throwing the game. <laughs> and they're all giggling. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> right? Sure enough, they go down, score. Our kid gets the ball, our big kid, who I told this is, your, this is what you're going to do. I think he's the only one who could get it down there. Anyway, so he throws the length of the court. There's Charlie. But Charlie is so little, it's like trying to catch a lead beach ball. Right? And so the ball bounces, bounces over his head and goes out of bounds. Oh, failure one. Right? But he did stay down there and he listened. This could work. Right? Charlie, back to the free throw line. Get your head up. Right? I looked at my kids. Do it again. <laughs> right? And so here we go. Now the other team's like, they're going in there. And my kids are still, they're battling, right? And I'm watching that clock tick down. We might have a couple more chances. That's it, right? Sure enough, they score. The lead goes down. Our big kid gets the ball, throws it down there. Charlie catches it. He goes up, throws it up there. The ball hits the bottom of the rim, bonk, right on Charlie's head, and it goes out of bounds. Everybody's laughing, right? And Charlie, Charlie, get your head up. Get your head up. We still got time. Get back to the free throw line. Come on, boys. Come on, boys. And before we could do anything, I'm like, no, no, time out. Time out. I'm looking at the clock. Time out. Got to call time out. So I got our kids. I said, look. I said, we got to make this work. I said, time's running out. I said, we got to do this. We got to do this. Charlie, he's never in the huddle, and he's not now. He's standing over there like he always does, mad. And I said, here's what needs to happen. We're taking too long. We're playing too, too good a defense. I said, I don't want the other team to know we're throwing the game. So the kid that was playing point guard, I said, I want you to guard him tough once. I want you to let him go right, turn him left, and then lay off him. The rest of you guys, I want you to part like the Red Sea and let him score. <laughs> they all start giggling. Yeah, <laughs> this is great, right? And I said, but don't make it obvious, right? Don't just run away like... I said, because I don't want the other team, I don't want to show up the other team, which I'm already doing. What we're doing is bad sportsmanship, and it's not done. It's called cherry-picking. It's bad in basketball. That's why you never see anybody do it. But I'm doing it. And so <laughs> I'll never forget this. It was hilarious. Our kid does exactly what I say. He turns him once. He goes back the other way. Whoops, you're too fast for me. He runs down the middle because our kids just went, <laughs> And let the kid go in and score. It's good because it only took like a few seconds, which is what I wanted, right? We're not talking win or lose. We don't care, right? And so our guy gets, up, gets the ball, and we're, we're talking less than a minute now. The clock's ticking. Our kid gets the ball, heaves it down there. Charlie gets it. Again, he catches the ball. He takes one dribble. He takes two dribbles. The ball goes up to the rim. Tink, 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 off. because you'll see in a minute. In my head, Are you kidding me? You can part the Red Sea. You can make blind people see. You can make lame walk. But you can't make a ball spin one more time in instead of out. Look at him. He's crushed. What am I supposed to say to him? Hasn't he been through enough? And I remember putting my head down. I said that in my head. I 
poor boy. But look at him. One spin of a ball. At time I was at, at that time I was a deacon in a church. I was teaching Sunday school. I was all that. And when push comes to shove, I had the audacity to shake my fist in the face of the very God who died to save that boy. How could I do it? But I did. And now I'm crushed too because I'm ashamed and feel horrible. But nothing like him. Charlie quit. His coach quit. But you know what? The boys didn't quit. They got a game to win. I always taught them in the guts of the game, if you get a kid that doesn't go left with the ball, follow him to his right, make him turn him, the guy on the strong side, on the ball side, come back, tip the ball away. We got to get on it. Get the ball to the other end of the floor. That's exactly what they did without me saying a word. Why? Because I got my head down just like Charlie. I look up to see that exactly happen. And the ball goes off our center. It rolls across the line. It goes, the ball goes right to Charlie's feet. Charlie takes one dribble, two dribbles, shoots a 10-footer, swish, nothing but the bottom of the net, right in front of me. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Right in front of me. Charlie jumps up. You ever see that picture of Michael Jordan when they beat the Cavaliers? He jumps up about four feet in the air, and he's got his... That's what Charlie did. And he said, and I quote, because I'll never forget it. I'm seeing it right now. All this, I just see it. It's not hard to tell a story. When you've lived it, you've been there. I just close my eyes and let it happen. He stood up, and he, he says, whoopee, because I did it, I did it. We won, we won. And he starts to run like a soccer player. There, I see the clock ticking down, five, four... Our kids on the bench were so excited. They got up and they go and chase them like our kids on the floor did. And they dogpiled Charlie. The clock, they're still, that's a technical foul. And so I looked at the ref to, when I looked at him, like with my eyes, like, please don't ruin this moment, right? And I was like, and he went, and he called the game. So we get in the congratulations line where they all say good game. A lot of them don't mean it, but they say it. Right, good game, good game, good game. And they get, I'm the only one in it. Because our kids are over there having a party with Charlie across the court, which is not good sportsmanship either. Right? <laughs> right? I said, guys, guys. <laughs> they get over there. Charlie, of course, he not, didn't have any part in that. He goes over to be with his mom and everything. But I'm like, what I just saw was awesome. And now I got to go eat crow and talk to their coach because I use poor sportsmanship to win a game, right? Or try to, not to win a game, but to try to get Charlie, which is the win, which we did. So I got to him. I said, Coach, I want to apologize. I said, what I did was bad sportsmanship. And I said, but I just, I'm just not a good enough coach to figure out how to get Charlie a shot. So it's the only way I could figure out. No, no, no. He goes, don't worry about it. He goes, we all knew what you were trying to do. When Charlie made that shot, the whole place roared. The other team, too. They all knew. Everybody knew, right? But they didn't know what Charlie had been through, but everybody knew that there was an issue there. What did I say earlier about him making a 10-foot shot? Impossible. I'm telling you, he did it right in front of me, right there. And I saw him do it. Well, the skeptic would say, that's the adrenaline that he had that makes us do things like lift a car off of somebody that's trapped and makes us, you know, forget our fear of heights and climb a tree to save a wounded kitten. Really? Well, his adrenaline didn't look like it was flowing <laughs> all those times when, you know, we were trying to get him the ball. Right? I knew what happened. I knew where it came from. I knew, I knew what happened because God knew what Charlie needed. 
right? Story doesn't end there. Of course it doesn't, because God is capable of providing over and above anything we can think or imagine. So this story's not over. Charlie's a hero. I go out in the lobby, and there's Charlie, and there's all the kids patting Charlie on the back. And he's getting a glad hand. And his grandma's over there hugging him till his innards come out of his ears. And because he was a hero. And I'm watching this, and I got a smile on my face. And his mom's over there, and she's smiling. We're just watching him, right? And finally, his mom comes over. And I don't know if she did this, just, she just forgot, or this was a test. But she said, Charlie, come over. She goes, don't you have something to say to your coach? And he walked over. When a, when a third grader hugs you, it's very awkward. His head comes right up to you, and you, right? He steps back, and he looks me right in the eye with a smile on his face from ear to ear. And he said, thank you, coach. Thank you, thank you for letting me be on your team. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I see it now, right? And he walked away. And I saw his mom. She liked me. She got all misty. What was his problem? He hated men. Not anymore. God knew what he needed. So I watched a miracle, little M, but a miracle just the same, right? And now you know why Zella liked the story. Because the lesson to this is this. Never say never with God. Never say never. Never give up. Never quit trying. Never quit praying. Because God can show up and change everything just like that. It's happened in my life time after time. after. I've been through some stuff. You can ask. Don't ask him because he ain't going to tell you. But I've been through some hard stuff in my life. And I've seen the evidence, you know, of God intervening in my life just like that. Just like that. In the last moment, when you don't expect it, everything changes. And God shows up, which is what he did that day. Now, I would like to say that I was able to have a conversation with Charlie about Jesus. That didn't happen. Because I never saw Charlie again the rest of my life after that day. Never saw, I did see his mother years later, and she assured me that Charlie was doing fine, which is good. I'm glad to hear that. But I never got, never got to do that. But I think you'll agree with me that in your lifetimes, there are people, maybe from another town you lived in, that were important in your life for a season. You know, we don't forget those people even though we don't have any contact with them. But they were important in our life for a season. Maybe they provi provided a need, something that you needed then, right? And they were in your life, an important part of your life for a season. Don't forget, don't forget those people. I don't. I don't forget them. Even though later on they may have wronged me, I can't forget the good they did for me. I can't forget that. That's just not in me, right? Um, I looked up one of my heroes in the faith, Chuck Swindoll. I used to listen to him all the time. I used to love the guy, right? He discusses joy here, and this is what he says about joy. Not a definition of joy. This is what he says about joy. The habit of always putting off an experience until you can avoid it or until the time is right or until you know how to do it is one of the greatest robbers of joy. Listen again. The habit of always putting off an experience until you can afford it or until the time is right or until you know how to do it is one of the greatest robbers of joy. Be deliberate, but once you've made up your mind, jump in. In doing so, you will experience joy. Now, in the story, Charlie didn't know Jesus. I can remember my son, we got in the truck after that game. The first thing he said was, boy, Charlie sure was happy when he made that shot. Yes, he was. Who had joy in their hearts? Me and mom. 
That's what joy is. We saw God move, right? We saw the hand of God move on that kid, and we get great joy, and that keeps us going. And we learn never say never with God. And no matter how hard it gets, God can't steal our joy. Don't let him steal yours. Don't let the enemy in your life, and don't let him steal your joy, right? Because the same God that can do that can do that for you. Well, you may be saying right now, God, I wish you'd throw me a ball because it ain't going. I wish you'd throw me a ball. Well, maybe he is. Maybe today's your day. Maybe you never thought about it like this. People, God knows. I've always said this. The most powerful words in the Bible, God knows. It's great comfort to the believer that God knows, it is horrifying to the non-believer that God knows. Because, because God knows, that uh, sends us to be in a place where we don't want to be at the end of, of our time, right? So take those opportunities that you have in life. Be encouraged. You are not alone. God is with you if your motives are pure, right? This popped into my head. <laughs> the one Christmas special we don't see anymore. Did anybody know it right off the top of their head? They took it off TV. Been on for years and years and years and years. Charlie Brown's Christmas. You know why we don't see it anymore? Yes, you do. Yeah. Luke 2. Mm -mm, we ain't having that anymore. Oh, that's just coincidence. Keep on saying that, people, as the water gets hotter and hotter. Like the frog in the pot. And nobody says nothing. There's a very powerful image in that at the end. And I saw a thing, you know how you just you get those YouTube things if you're going wasting your life watching YouTube videos like I admit I did. And you go through, and there was one that talked about uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas. And it said, which I never realized this, remember the part where Linus gets up and he goes, this is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown? And Linus drops his blanket, his security blanket that means everything to him. And he drops it. I never noticed that before. I'm like, he does drop it. And then at the end, what happens with the Christmas tree? Linus comforts Charlie Brown, and he takes the same blanket, and he uses it at the base of the tree to hold the little tree up that Charlie Brown thought was great but everybody else hates. So once again, Linus models sacrificial giving. And what does that do? Charlie Brown goes over, he takes an ornament, and the tree drops. It won't hold the ornament. Oh, I've killed it. Right? The other kids, seeing Linus's heart, come over, and from the magic of cartoons and trees, take that blanket <laughs> And make that tree fully decorated. <laughs> we won't have to go that far. But they do that, right? And Charlie Brown looks at it. And he's filled with joy. Because Linus, sacrificial giving, right? Sacrificial giving. There is a house in New Orleans. But I ain't got nothing to do with Charlie Brown. That's all right. Uh, so did we get the message today? Never say never with God. If you want to experience joy, get in the game, which is what we ended with last week. Get in the game. Be the ministers, right? Work at it. Work at it. If you find it hard, do it in a group, like a class after church. <laughs> Just saying, right? Get in a Bible study. Get in a small group. Come to church all you can, right? Grow. Use your spiritual gifts, right? Your spiritual gifts are not for you. Your spiritual gifts are for others, right? Use them. It's easy to say it's hard to do. I ain't going to say it's easy. It ain't. It's hard. It's hard, right? But uh, it's very, very worthwhile. Um, you know he never worked any scripture into that message, and that's not good. Oh, yeah? 
Galatians 5.22. I want you to realize something. Um, actually, let's bump it up to verse 16. Galatians 5.16. And this is the New Living Translation. So I think it says it just a little plainer. We need to hear plain today. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. There are two forces that are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But, but there's always a but, right? But when you are directed by the Spirit... You are not under obligation to the law of Moses. In other words, you'll be able to stand up under the Ten Commandments because that is not your guide. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality. Hear me, people. Because people don't want to hear this. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, drug abuse, that's what sorcery is, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You can talk Jesus all you want, but if you're living a life like this, you ain't going. Paraphrase. I should do my own translation, right? No. Notice when I pointed my finger, I got three back at me, people. I know. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Who does it? The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. God brings joy into your life. True joy. And you can only experience it to, quote, get in the game. Well, I can't get in the game. I have limited limited. Physical abilities, I ha uh, pray, people. Pray. When I get too old, enough, old, too old to move, that's what I'm going to be doing. Right? We owe a lot to those people. They are an important part of our lives. You should know as many of them as you can because they, that's where our wisdom comes from. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous with one another. So when you become a believer, your life will change. Your life will change. If it doesn't change, you didn't get it. Right? It didn't take. <laughs> the guy I got baptized with, I'll never forget. His name's Dusty, young guy. He gets up and gives his testimony like this. I got saved 32 times. <laughs> this is number 33. And I'm sure this time it took. <laughs> right? Every time I feel inadequate, I'd raise my hand. I need Jesus. Right? But I didn't make Jesus the Lord of my life, and I didn't surrender my life to him. That's why he got baptized. Preach it, brother. That's exactly right. So today, um, I want to end this by praying for you. And this is a prayer out of the Bible, if I can find it. It's in the book of Ephesians. And it goes like this. So let's pray. I pray that this glorious unlimited that the from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God.
And all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more that we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. You are dismissed.